welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 22, Kenzie. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. And today we are talking about everyone's favorite con artist and sidekick, Kenzie. Our guest contributor is Kevin Batchelder. He is one of the co-hosts of the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast, and he also hosts his own Lost Girl podcast called The Fae Files. So thanks for so much for being on the show, Kevin. Oh, I appreciate the invitation. I've really always enjoyed the podcast you folks do. Looking forward to, to being on one here. Thank you. So before we get started in talking about Kenzie, I was wondering if you might describe your tuning into sci-fi TV podcast a little bit, because I think people who listen to this podcast and haven't heard it might be interested. Oh, sure. Uh, myself and two of my friends, uh, Brent and Wendy, get together every week and we focus on just genre TV shows, you know, sci-fi, fantasy. Uh, about half our show is news about those shows, you know, casting and renewals and good interviews and such. And then the other half every week, out of all the shows, between the three of us, we pick our three favorites from the week. And those ones we spend, you know, 10 minutes or so talking about each. So one week it might be Defiance and next week Lost Girl and rotate around all of them. So if you're a fan of genre shows, then, you know, something you might be interested in. And it seemed like from from the episodes I've listened to, it's it's kind of a digest version. You talk a little bit about a whole lot, and then you talk more in depth about a few. Is that fair yes. to say? Exactly. Yes. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, you should check them out. They're over at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. I have to say, I'm always tempted to say turning into sci-fi TV. <laughs> do, do you feel like you might be turning into sci-fi TV, Kevin? You watch a lot of it. <laughs> I watch way too much of it, yes. I was looking this week. I think I'm already up to 11 shows, and we don't even have all our shows back yet. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have no life. It's official. Or you you do have a life, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the perspective. That sounds accurate. <laughs> so, okay, the drink special for this episode, actually because Kenzie is Russian, I had a lot of possibilities for drink specials because there are a lot of drinks with the name Russian. And then there's like a white Russian and a black Russian and a Blushin Russian, which sounds delicious. But I finally decided on the drink special should be a sidecar because... Kenzie's Bo's sidekick, and where does the sidekick go when the hero rides a motorcycle? In the sidecar. So cool. that is that is the drink special for this this episode. <laughs> I'm actually going to post my friend's my friend Ben's recipe. He's a bartender, and I really like how he makes them because he adds some Angostura bitters to it, which isn't traditional, but it's it's really good. So check that out over in the show notes for this episode, episode twenty two. So speaking of sidekicks, I've heard you say a couple of times, Kevin, that you feel like Kenzie is the best sidekick ever, period, full stop. So why don't, why don't you give us a little rundown as to why you feel that? And I, I know you might not have like super defined reasons, but so, you know, what are some of you, one of the things you love about Kenzie? Oh, wow. How much time do we have? Um, <laughs> where do Keep I begin? Keep it under three hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, it's funny. I was having some great fun with, with uh, Stephanie exchanging emails ahead of time because I'm one of those emotional TV viewers. I go all in when I watch a show. Uh, you know, sometimes it's funny folks who maybe aren't big genre fans. Well, I assume most of you are or you wouldn't be listening. But, you know, they'll find out I watch shows like this, Lost Girl or uh, something like that. And they're like, well, it's not real. It could never really happen. I go, no, it's exactly why I love it. I, I want to disappear into a show. So 
When it comes to judging shows or why I like them, I don't tend to look at them academically or uh, evaluate them as some folks like to do. I just go by what it hits me in the gut. And to me, with Kenzie, I mean, I've watched a lot of genre shows over the years. You know, my age, 50 plus, I, I've been watching them for years and years. And there's a lot of them that I love. They're very distinctive. But Kenzie, both the actress portraying her and the way she's written, just suits this show so well. And she is just perfect for not only Bo, but bringing some of the other characters, I think, forward in many cases, both regular ones and even just the one-offs, the bad guys, the so forth. She just flows so evenly, I think, through so many of the stories. Maybe not so much the most recent season. I thought she was a little too much in the background. But other than I that, agree. I just think, yes, I think it just, she fits it so well. And and the lines, we all know those. And those are just amazing. I love those YouTube videos of about, every now and then I watch some of those ones until they get pulled down for copyright. But the 10 or 11 minutes of nothing but Kenzie quotes. Because she just, to me, and I've said it, as you've heard, couple of times at the Dragon Con panels, the best sidekick ever. She just fits it so well. It's just an emphatic exclamation point for me. Yeah, it was interesting preparing for this episode because I was trying to think of things to talk about in regards to Kenzie, and I kept getting into talking about her different relationships with people, and I kept trying to pull myself away from that and think, well, I want to talk about Kenzie herself, and, and then I realized that Kenzie really is the glue of the show in a lot of ways like her her talent i think is winning people over and forming relationships with people she, i think she's has a really good relationship with pretty much everybody on the show i mean yes lauren it's been a little frosty but it's getting better but yeah i think kenzie really is all about the relationships yeah see that's it to me too and it's not just the comedy although there's plenty of that uh, if if any of you kind of step back a little bit and think of some of the favorite episodes you've had or some of the best ones. If you think about it, like you just said, imagine some of those without any Kenzie. It just, it doesn't flow. I mean, whether it's talking to Bo or bringing Bo back, uh, shall we say, to the real world, air quotes there, um, it, it really helps to keep everything flowing and everything kind of, I see it very much as flowing off of her. Uh, even in some of those things that don't work very well, or the relationship with Lauren that's kind of been, you know, I, as you said, frosty or icy, it still is all in there. I mean, thinking about Kenzie with Hale and the way their relationship was very early, you know, back in season one, and this thing changed as he became the Ash. For me, anyway, when I'm going to watch an episode, I'm thinking of how it very much flows through her. And I think, too, even though she's sort of the, the comic relief of the show, she really does sort of anchor the characters individually in a major way. And I think, too, the and you mentioned it, uh, Stephanie, her con artist background, she can talk to anybody about anything. So she can get very comfortable in almost any situation. And us as viewers, I think, appreciate that. We get to, or at least I think, get to feel like we're in the scene a little quicker if she's there in the room. Absolutely. I feel like, and I was going to bring that up too, that I feel like her ability to connect with people is partially what makes her such a good con artist, but we see her use that ability in a lot more friendly, a lot more nurturing way in, in regards to her relationships with the main cast on the show, the main characters on the show. Well, absolutely. I think Kenzie, she's such a wonderful dichotomy. You know, she's this tiny dynamo. And sometimes you think she might not be much to look at. 
uh, because, you know, she's this little slip of a girl, but she just comes in there with her I-can-take-on-anyone-and-anything attitude, and, you know, she can just talk her way into anything. You know, kind of, she doesn't have power, she's one of the humans on the show, but she doesn't need, you know, weapons. She's got her wits, she's got her one-liners, and she can just make anybody melt and fall for her. You know, even the Fae, after a while, she'll get them on her side. You know, she'll always try to talk her way out first. And, you know, just about always works. But at the same time, you know, I'm just so intrigued to still know where she got this ability. And, you know, more about her past. Because for as much as we know about her, um, there are a lot of holes that we don't know about her. Absolutely. That's part of what I've been waiting for is a real Kenzie backstory rather than just an occasional relative on the phone. <laughs> but it has been nice that we have gotten to see some of the people from her past. In particular, I liked meeting her aunt a lot, and I liked meeting Trist, but those two characters were very much comic reliefs in an episode. They kind of served a purpose, but I, I would love to see a more significant relationship from her past show up on the show, or a flashback of some kind. But frankly, I think I'd rather see a person show up from her past. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about that. Yeah, I always think there's going to be some extended Russian mafia episode that some of them are, end up being Faye, who knows, but <laughs> that she's tangled up with. But, yeah, I mean, I always wonder what got her into the streets. You know, why is she living that life in the first place? She, seemed to, she seems to have a lot of cousins and a lot of people that, you know, have less than reputable trades. So, uh, that she seems to have learned her trades from. But again, I, I really want to know about that past and where she grew up and why she's living on the streets in the first place, or just living this kind of vagabond life when she meets Bo. I do actually think that's kind of interesting that they've brought up the fact that she's a runaway, but then they also keep having her, or keep showing her in contact with her cousins and her aunt and stuff. I don't know. I just find that kind of interesting. I do too, because I think they've insinuated the reason she ran away was because her her stepfather was, as her aunt, her aunt describes him, strict. He was not physically abusive, but maybe a little emotionally abusive toward her. So they've suggested why she left home. But it's interesting that she has still kept up ties to other family members. Yeah, and part, part of me wonders, too, a little bit is I, I wonder how much of that has to do with uh, storyline convenience. And, right. You know, I... I like I say, it's entertaining, but I really want it to be dealt with a little more seriously at some point. Like like we were saying, Chris was bringing up, I really want a real backstory episode. Oh, I'm a freak. God, you are so emo. Excuse me? Learn to enjoy your shit already. You can freaking control people by touch and not in a creepy handjob way. That is awesome! So I think something... I, I don't know, maybe this is just an impression that I have, but I feel like Kenzie might be the most popular character on the show. Maybe that's just an impression I have, but I feel like when I see Lost Girl tweets on Twitter and on Tumblr, Kenzie is usually one of the most frequent references I see. Do you all kind of have that impression? That if he's, at least he's not the favorite, one of the favorites? Oh, I think that's got to be true. As you probably heard in that uh, DragonCon panel recording from last year, when we and I was uh, on that panel and started talking about it, and I said specifically, you know, the best sidekick ever. I mean, the room exploded in applause. <laughs> so there was no doubt that folks gravitate to her, and that's very much uh, what draws them in. It's funny, I've 
since I talk up the show so much, you know, on our podcasts and in other things I do, I have run across two people that do not like her at all, and that actually is what partially what they say turns them off from the show. So it's not like it's everyone, but it's damn near everyone. Well, that was actually, I, I, I will bring this up, because while I like Kenzie now, Kenzie and I had kind of a rocky beginning, I have to say. I liked her in the first episode, but then in episode four, Fatal Attraction, where Bo is all depressed because Dyson broke up with her, and Kenzie's like pouncing on the bed and sticking a popsicle in her ear, I would have killed her <laughs> if I was Bo. <laughs> and so... That kind of made Kenzie and me get off on the wrong foot because she can be a little immature and maybe that's just sort of my personality. I, that kind of is a turn off to me. But by the time it got to Food for Thought where she gets ill and we see these really tender scenes with, with Dyson and with Bo, she won me over again when she got a little more depth to her when she wasn't just the wisecracking sidekick anymore. I, I, liked Kenzie and now I, I you know I've grown to where I really love Kenzie and I missed her in season three I thought that she wasn't as prominent as she should have been yeah I agree but who who doesn't want a popsicle in the ear I mean well I don't know but um but whatever you're into Annie yeah you know? I guess so but it was funny because yeah I definitely get that impression from what I read that Kenzie is just one of the most popular characters because, and I think it's a combination of Ksenia's performance and the writing is so seamless for all those one-liners The way and the way Ksenia just throws them off. It makes it seem like she's just spontaneously coming off up with them on the, off the top of her head and, and it's just whipping them off. But a lot of work goes into all those one-liners. So uh, props to the writers for that. But I, I had an interesting first impression kind of a weird one because it's very strange to watch a show that you love with your parents who don't watch sci-fi a lot. And I was watching, I got my mom to watch the first two episodes and it turns out she really liked Kenzie. And I think it's, it's in 102 when Bo's about to cheese suck that lady in the cabin to death and Kenzie pulls her off. And my mom said, Oh, she's really good for Bo, you know, cause she saves her from herself or she stops her. And I went, wow, even my mom can see that from the beginning. But I think that's kind of like the core of Kenzie is that, I think, as you said, Kevin, um, she really helps each character move forward or keeps them from, you know, maybe whether it's through her humor or her unique outlook on life, keeps them from that darker part of their self. Okay, so my feeling about Kenzie's popularity, I mean, yes, she is very, very popular, one of the favorite characters, but I think part of the popularity is one of those things, as Kevin was saying, you know, he's met all of two people who don't like her. So I think that's sort of part of the thing is is that it's hard not to like Kenzie. So maybe she's not everybody's favorite character, but there are so few people who dislike her. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. likes her to some extent. Well, almost everybody. Except for those two people that Kevin met. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because she is so flamboyant. She is so out front. Let's face it, if you've watched the show and you go to talk to another fan, it's hard not to start with Kenzie because, you know, she's so there and everybody's got an impression, you know, good or bad, even though it's heavily good. So it, it's interesting. I, and, and I think a lot of us also know people like that in the sense that, and, and you, I think, hit the nail on the head, Stephanie, it's fun to watch someone stick a popsicle in the air, but no, I don't want to be the person who gets it in the air. So you want a friend like that, but there are days you want them very much at arm's length. Okay. So 
it's it depends on on what's going on. But you also appreciate that she can keep a show from getting too dark or too silly. Sometimes, even though she's the silly one, because she still brings it back. And I thought a lot in that very first episode that we got. You know, Bo wasn't all that interesting. It was Kenzie that very much attracted me from that first episode because. Aside from the great one-liners, you just saw that she was the street-wise person who was kind of telling Bo, to a certain degree, hey, you got to do this better. you got this advantage. Use it. And I think she was really critical in that first episode. I, I liked Bo in the first episode, personally. But I think Kenzie was really critical in that first episode as a vehicle for the audience, sort of coming into this... Not Because Bo, while she's new to the Fae world, she's had her powers for a while. She knows they're strange, but she's had them for a while. But Kenzie was completely new. So she's a good sort of person to, that the audience can project themselves onto to go through this kind of weirdness. And she does a great job just – well, Ksenia Solo does a great job, I think, in that role. Just being completely over the top and the what the – just – what did you do to, what did you do? You know, type of reaction that she gives when Bo, you know, uses the, the tingly touch on the waitress. So she, she's definitely crucial in the first episode, I think. And I know for me also, it really totally was a home run by, I think it was episode three when, um, Dyson and Bo got together and, and Kenzie stumbled across them and she did that little Snoopy happy dance down the hallway out. OMG, I got that as a GIF, and I just love that. I cannot <laughs> not smile thinking about it or seeing it. There are many GIFs I have of, of Kenzie that it's hard not to smile at. Like, I have one for some reason. Somebody made one of her hula hooping, and it's really hard not to smile at Ksenia Solo hula hooping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it was, and, and we probably all, all heard something like this over the years. If the shows we like, you know, the, the actor isn't the character, and we have to differentiate excuse me, right. differentiate those. And the first time I was able to get on a media call with the cast and Ksenia Sola was there, she is so quiet and reserved mm-hmm. and thoughtful and so different from Kenzie that, and, and very humble though, because when, when people wanted to ask about the great lines and so forth, she would always say, that's the writers, you know, they bring it to me. I just bring it off the page. So it is that balance again. Is it the writing? Is it the actress or is it just a perfect mix of the two? I think it's a great mix because, yeah, you have to have the writing, but if you don't have the comedic talent to deliver those lines, they wouldn't work. So I think it's a great mix, personally. Agreed. So speaking of Kenzie's sort of more humorous side, I have to say one of my favorite things that whenever Kenzie does, I always am so happy, is I love seeing her con people. Like one of my favorite scenes of the entire series, I think, is when she's being that ridiculous shaman in arachnophobia and she's cleansing the house (laughs) that's a pretty excellent scene (laughs) it's partially maybe really really funny to me because i i know sort of new agey people who would talk like that a and b fall for that so i like how they kind of make fun of that stereotype in that scene but she but ksenia solo and her physical comedy in that scene is just brilliant oh absolutely i I even love the bit of of the reserve bit too in the uh, the sorority episode, the early one, I think episode two of season one, when she has to go quote undercover. You know, when you think wearing all that pink might actually make her head explode. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, that's not quite as flamboyant and over the top and so forth, but she does the good job of feeling like the complete fish out of water that, you know, our goth girl is is in all pink. And that shot where the blonde wig is askew is, <laughs> that's just <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, the early episodes did such a great job of introducing her. I, I do think that's part of why so many people love her early on in the show. And I didn't mean to in, insinuate that I couldn't, you know, very much... Uh, appreciate Bo or love Bo the character early, but Kinsey so overpowered things to me for, for a few episodes. It took me a while to get a better feel, uh, for the entire cast. Uh, once we were seeing the, the, you know, the, the ability for all of them to bring that together. I think it's certainly for some folks too who are new to the show, it allowed them to kind of let the show find its feet. A lot of folks give up on shows an episode or two in if they don't, you know, think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And by having Kenzie very much as a drawer, it allowed the other characters to get comfortable. We started to see a dynamic, uh, some great chemistry with Bo and Dyson, some interesting stories. So I think that certainly helped, I think, a lot to very much growing the show. You know, just speaking of, of her being a con artist, I, I, maybe it's just a perception on my part, but I feel like we saw that more in season one and we've seen less of it in subsequent seasons. And I kind of wish they would do more of that. I know like Kinsey's growing as a character and she doesn't have to be a con artist anymore, but I love it so much. I wish they would do it more. <laughs> we, we did get the scene in 301. Yes. Oh. Which, which is awesome. Pretty. Yeah. yeah that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite scene of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another one of those, you know, OMG ones that you just totally, what did it take? Three words for the three of us to all be ear to ear smiles and know exactly what we meant. So, you know, you got to have something pretty special when you can get even Uber fans to be able to do that just based on that limited information about the scene. But yeah, I, I, and I agree too. It's, it's the natural nature, nature of a show kind of growing and the characters grow a little, but, yeah, I definitely want to have some of that back. And we all have kind of touched on a little bit, too, without being negative, how there wasn't enough Kenzie in Season 3. So I'm really hoping the writers were aware of that feedback and that we get some of that bouncing back. Not that Tamsin wasn't a great addition and, and you, you know, only so much time with a bigger cast, but it, it really, for me, took away uh, from getting the most out of that season. Yeah, because we had an entire episode in season three that Kenzie wasn't in. She wasn't in episode 308 at all, which I know she was not in an episode in season two, but in 22 episodes, that wasn't as noticeable, I guess. I still noticed she wasn't there, but when you only have 13 and she's not in one of them, it's just, ah, where's Kenzie, you know? And even in the episode she was in, I don't know. I just, I felt like her storylines weren't as prominent. Yeah, exactly. If you can't break the bond... You need to kill me. <laughs> You're right. You're serious. We both know what could happen if I go too far and I cannot live like that. Oh, nothing is going to happen. But what if it does? It is not. You are the only one I can trust with this. You are my best friend. Promise me. Promise me. I promise. I guess as far as 
I think what makes Kenzie such a great sidekick is that really close relationship that she has with Bo and just the love that she has for Bo. To me, one of the most um, touching moments in the whole series is at the end of season two when Bo asks Kenzie to kill her if she starts to go dark. And it's one of the times when you really see Kenzie, you know, only Bo can really get past all of those one-liners because Kenzie keeps making wisecracks and keeps saying, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. And then she says, you're serious. And Bo says, you are the only one I can ask this of. And it's it's more than just, I would die for each other. It's, you know, would you kill me for this greater good? Which is, you know, an incredibly unfathomable thing to ask. But yet they're so close, they can they can do that. That brings up an excellent question, which I, I total follow where you're going there, Annie, is do we think that if she had to, that Kenzie could do that? Yeah, I think she could. Not easily, but it's because Bo would ask it of her, not because Kenzie is always aware of, you know, not because Kenzie wants to be a superhero and save the world, it's because of her bond with Bo. But I don't think it would be easy. I don't know. I don't know that she could. No, I don't know. It's kind of, okay, it's kind of hedging a little bit for me, but just for the angst factor, you know. It actually would be kind of interesting if, I, I'm not saying I want this to happen, but if they, they, the writer somehow imagined a recreation of the scene with Buffy and Angel at the end of season two where Buffy has to kill him. I don't know. That might be an interesting homage to see between two women who are so committed to each other as best friends. I'm not saying I want Bo to die, but <laughs> if you've seen this series, Angel comes back. So, you know. I was, I was actually going to mention Angel because you were talking about that, the whole being willing to kill somebody because they asked you to. I mean, that, that was a big point in the Angel series was Angel sort of marked friendship by that measure. Like, cause he, there was a, a great scene where he was talking to Cordelia and, uh, because they thought that he was going evil and, you know, it turns out it was some artificial evilness. Anyway, at the end of the episode, he's saying to Cordelia, you know, but if I ever really do, and then Cordelia without hesitation says, oh, I'll kill you dead. And, and Angel kind of smiles at it. Like, that's, he, he wanted to hear that from her, it seems like. And, and that's one of my favorite moments in that series. Cause I'm a weirdo. No, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. I can visualize that scene now so many years later the same way. It, it had that resonance with me that you knew, you know, cause, Cordelia, well, we're kind of going spoilery, is is aware of how bad Angel could get. So there is a history there to realize I can't let it get like that again. That's where I'm not sure with with Kenzie, although they have that bond, uh, and, and she has said it and Bo believes it. And I'm right there with you, Stephanie. I do not want to see this, but <laughs> would she be able to do it when the moment came? Because she hasn't seen, has she really seen Bo? terrible or evil or doing any of these things enough yet that that does justification i think i don't think anybody has i mean the lauren writers really. and anna keep saying well e even lauren i mean they all the cast and crew keep saying you know Bo can still be even more powerful she can do even more than what we've shown you so far and with the wanderer thrown in the mix who knows what's going to happen i don't think we've seen even now the whole extent of Bo's power Right, because it seems like they keep showing us her headed that way, but then somebody's always there to intervene. So the implication is that 
she's on the way to getting to wherever she's going and isn't there yet in terms of scary evilness, potential evilness. We don't actually know, but. Well, I think in potential evilness, I mean, what if theoretically Bo did something that even Kenzie couldn't forgive and that would be the impetus, again, I don't want to see this happen either, where she would have to kill her to prevent, you know, Bo from taking over the world or what whatnot. These are horrible hypotheticals we're coming up with. <laughs> okay, yeah, we need to, I think we need to switch to something If happier. any of the writers are listening, we don't want to see this. <laughs> I know. Oh, sh- shoot, you know, just wait, forget that last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think Kevin does bring up a good point that that Kinsey has not seen Bo at her worst. I think probably Lauren is really the only one because I think probably Bo at her worst was in Phase Wide Shut episode three hundred five where she just goes ballistic on the guards. But now we have that question of okay, was that Bo because she was devolving or was that like Super Bo? I don't know. So, but yeah, I don't think she's seen Bo at her worst, so I don't know that she would have that measure the way that Cordelia does. No, it's two different shows very much and two different tones. Yeah, we got way down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> but it also on the on the Buffy or the Angel side, part of what we could appreciate from those characters is we saw a very big range when they could really be bad and when they could really be good. Now, we haven't really in the Lost Girl world gone there yet. I'm not saying we need to. So, I'm wondering myself after 3 seasons where the writers want to go with this next upcoming season uh you know we're very much talking about kenzie's you know big thumbs up to more of kenzie but do they feel we keep with a little bit of the lighter fare as, as has been the nature or the the you know the end of season three with the wanderer stuff has got a room there for some you know darker stuff if if not down stuff so i'm very interested to see if they're going to make some of these characters including kenzie have to make some tough choices well i agree i think you know, at the end of season three, and as the cast have said, everybody's fractured. It's it's not uh, everybody coming together to fight the Garudas at the end of season two, where you felt everybody was united and you had some hints of the darkness that Bo might have going on. But at the end of season three, everything's just gone to hell in a handbasket. And uh, I think in particular with Kenzie, what intrigues me about well, first off, what intrigues me is her journey through season three. She was in more of the background, but it made me wonder what made her go from this, you know, her usual, you know, whip smart, you know, sidekick, you know, wisecracking attitude where she can just go into any situation and still handle herself to becoming more insecure and more of like, I'm only human. I can't help them when I'm like this you know, as she says to Bruce at the end, you know, and she really seems to want to become Faye as tempted by Massimo. And I just think in season three, that's the tough choice Kenzie's going to make. And I'm, I'm kind of worried that she's going to somehow take up the temptation to become Faye and regret it. Cause I just don't think any good's going to come from that decision if Kenzie wants to do it. But I think her whole journey through season three and what she went through with the Kitsune and everything really traumatized her and rocked her world. So, you know, she came out of that cave, I think, a different person. And maybe feeling, you know, more helpless and not as useful to the group uh, after that whole situation. Uh, I don't know. I think Kenzie's got a bit of a rocky road with the way they set it up or left some hints at the end of season three. Yeah, you opened Pandora's box, so I'm going to go there. I really don't want to see her as a fae. Really, really don't. I think that would be a mistake. 
I, I think from a story point of view, it's a good temptation. It's a good discussion item. But I really don't think she should for the sake of the story. I mean, I'm being very protective here, and I'm not even talking like a, you know, a fan of a good storyline. It's like, it's my girl, and don't mess with her. I definitely do not want her to be Faye in the long run. However, I feel like instead of doing that, the writers are more likely to have her become Faye temporarily somehow. So how do you feel about that possibility? Here's my my one comment on on this. And I I do agree with you. If they're going to do it, I wouldn't mind seeing it for like an episode. That that wouldn't bother me, but I don't want it to be permanent. That would be weird and would throw off the balance of the show to me. I think the thing that a lot of people are sort of overlooking is that technically Kenzie sort of was Faye already for an episode because everybody Mm -hmm. swapped places in original skin and Kenzie like had a great time being Dyson for an afternoon. Can somebody answer me this when she was talking to the Kitsune and she said to Kenzie, oh, you have my powers or something. It's like, did she temporarily have her powers when she was in the cave? Or since she had the black goo spilled on her, I was a little unclear on that point. And I was like, was she Faye for like a couple days or a couple months or had some Faye DNA in her and didn't know it when her arm was disintegrating or what? I guess that's the implication. We don't really know because we don't know what was going on exactly until we saw her get snatched at the end of episode four. But what do you think, Kevin, about Kenzie being Faye temporarily? If that does happen, and you're watching the show, wherever you are, and in this wonderful world of ours, and you keep hearing, no, coming from the East Coast, (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be me. (laughs) Even if it's temporary? (laughs) Again, it would probably be a great storyline, but I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't. I'm afraid of it. I think beyond the original skin episode, there was a couple of times in season three where she at least had some fey ability, like in Confagion, where she had the Staff of Righteousness. And then Mm, it's it's insinuated weirdly in, oh, shoot, in the Kinsey scale, episode 306, where... But it's unclear, but but Inari insinuates that she technically was Faye for a time because of that goo that's filled on her. So it's been done before. So I almost want to say, writers, don't go there again. But I think maybe a quest to become Faye, I I think that's an implication I've been hearing in the spoilers that Kenzie will at least be on a quest to become Faye toward the beginning of season four. I'm willing to see that play out. Well, it could be a quest, and then at the end, she you know, um, realizes, you know, before going through with it, that it's not worth it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that would be good. Then you'd hear this huge sigh of relief from Kevin that resonates all the way around the world (laughs) and probably from the most of fandom. Um, But I, I, you know, I I understand what you're saying about being protective of characters. And um, I, I would say the same for Lauren. I don't want her to become Faye as much as I'd like Docubus bed scenes forever but again that that upsets the balance of the show so wow okay 43 minutes that's how long it took for andy to, for andy to mention it it's a new record i think well that's but, only because i crashed in the I middle i was gonna of say how long was she session. gone though <laughs> 10 minutes almost 15 so you can cut those 10 minutes out okay half an hour that's still impressive yeah yeah the restraint is admirable 
Well, as Annie was joking, but I think she does bring up a good point that I feel like maybe that's part of the reason why some fans want to see that is they love Kenzie and Bo's relationship and it makes them sad to think that Bo will be without Kenzie at some point. And I get that, but I think what, not to, not to get too much on Bo here, but I think Kenzie and Lauren, but Kenzie in particular, are so important to Bo's story. Like it wouldn't really be as significant the, the first episode if Bo didn't declare, I choose humans at the end. So that relationship, which I think Kenzie is a big motivator for her choosing humans, obviously, at the end of that episode. That's what really is making this story. So if we had our human characters gone, I think that would really change the show in not a good way. And I did appreciate that they sort of addressed that in Scream a Little Dream, I think it was, where they had the um, the scene where Bo was talking to future Bo, and future Bo was all angsty about having lost Kenzie and Lauren. And and bringing up that idea of the human side, that's where I'd really like to see in season four a chance for Lauren and Kenzie to have a chance to be able to bond a little bit or have to come together to help Bo or something so that we get a chance for those key human characters to really not be at odds or have a frosty relationship. I really think that could do a lot for the dynamics of the show if the two of them were able to be more of a team, if you will, or more cohesive together. Yeah, well, I, I loved uh, 303 when they finally bonded a little bit, you know, with that whole situation with the, that the Morgan threw in with the parasite. And I would love to see in season four, because, you know, season three was kind of so disappointingly, one aspect I didn't like about it was that some characters were suddenly all very anti-human. And it seemed to go against the grain of what the show is when it's about, you know, these two humans in the mix with all of these fae and how important they are to their relationships in the show. And I would love to see Bo and, or excuse me, Lauren and Kenzie be the one to save the day and find out what's going on with this wanderer and to find Bo. And all the fae are kind of shocked going, wow, the humans saved our ass again. And to finally recognize it or realize it, you know, because I was dismayed to see in particular, um, just Kenzie. I don't know why not Lauren, but Kenzie was really seemed to be discriminated against as a human in the third season when, you know, Stella whispered in her ear in, uh, 309, I believe, um, you know, saying, Oh, you can't be here at the dawning. It's, it's for, it's not for humans. And, um, then said something to her that really unnerved her. So, but I, yeah, I want to, I agree. I want to see the humans swoop in and just take it all and go, yep, you fake can't, you don't have everything figured out. Watch us go. And I do think they've sort of set up the perfect opportunity for all of that too, since, as you've mentioned before, that, you know, we've gotten to the point where Kenzie has maybe realized how difficult it is to be human in the fey world. And, you know, especially with the thing that started brewing at the end of season three with the, you know, declaring war against the humans and all that sort of thing. And so, I mean, they've, they've really opened up the door for more bonding between Kenzie and Lauren to, to me anyway, because a lot of the resistance has been from Kenzie. And maybe now Kenzie will appreciate more that, you know, here she's been, Kenzie's been in the world of the Fae for about three years and is already like desperate to be Faye, but Lauren has been around this and dealing with it for six or seven or whatever it is. I'm very confused about the time frame at this point, but at least five years she's been, 
you know, in, in this world and sort of having to, to deal with being surrounded and put down by these superpowered beings. Yeah, I thought Annie made an interesting point that when Kenzie came out of the Kitsune's cave, she was kind of a different person. And I was trying to think, I know that Kenzie has been kind of picked on by Faye before, but I feel like that, not to that extent, you know, because we, we did have where Bo saved her in Mirror Mirror, but that I think maybe Kenzie could rationalize a way as that was sort of a situation of her own making, whereas this was just completely out of the blue, this, this Faye snatches her and imprisons her for a long period of time. And I wonder if that was what made her feel suddenly so vulnerable and perhaps seeking out this, this different identity because she's been fairly accepted, I think, by the Faye, or at least the Faye that she interacts with most mm-hmm. of the time. I don't know. Yeah, but you're right. The, the, the nature of how important that was in that very first episode to declare that she was for the humans. And now that we've got nothing, uh, as Annie was mentioning, especially in season three, they're just hammering how unimportant humans are. So yeah, I'd like, I'd like to see a little comeback. <laughs> you know, not quite so heavy, all fae kind of things, which leads to more Kenzie time and lo- more, you know, Lauren time too, I think. Or at least I hope. What did Stella say to you? You looked upset. She told me what happens to humans who are abandoned by the fae who claim them. You're not Bo's pet. I'm not Faye either. Bo's very strong. I have every hope and faith that she'll emerge safely. And if she doesn't? Hale or Dyson could use someone to do chores around their house. Don't play me, homie. I suppose if Bo weren't around anymore, I could claim you. Get out. Even though I have no right to, I've come to think of you as family, Kenzie. I hope you don't mind. Well, it's a little presumptuous, but if you must. And for however long you want it, you have a place in my world. Our world. Thank you. So speaking maybe of some of the anti-human sentiment that cropped up in season three, I think we saw a lot of that coming from Trick. Not always directed at Kenzie, though in the dawning fake trick or whatever that was it was obviously very very anti-kenzie at least in that moment so let's maybe we talk a little bit about kenzie and trick and and sort of that relationship and maybe where that relationship might go but it's kind of interesting because they've set up that there was that scene where trick essentially offers to take care of kenzie if anything should happen to Bo during the dawning which i thought was kind of odd and out of place given the stuff that we'd been hearing Trick say earlier in the season, which we hadn't really heard from him before. Yeah, I thought I thought he seemed much more, what's the word, uh, uh, accepting maybe of her because of her relationship with Bo. And, and you're right, the way season three turned into the Bash the Humans, it was much more of an arm's length. Every time it seemed, well, I'm not sure it was every time, but so often when Bo would be bringing up or mentioning Kenzie and how important she was, he would be, yeah, but she's human. She's human. You know, it could just pushing her down, which I didn't like, naturally. And and I thought for a while they were setting up so she was going to turn out to be, you know, much more important come the end of season three. She'd do something to show. And I think Chris mentioned it, that the humans could save the day. And maybe they are just kind of holding that till season four. So I, I didn't like it. I, th- I thought we lost a little bit of that 
and bad Buffy reference again, the Scooby gang. It was, it was a little too fractured again with her pushed to the outside. Yeah. Cause I always had loved Kenzie's interactions with trick, you know, starting in, in the first season where she had to help him with the, the lightning bird because it would only talk to human women. So it was really sad to me to see that relationship kind of lost in season three. Yeah, that was really disappointing because I, I love in 106 and Food for Thought when Dyson brings her to Trick's lair and she's like, did I wake up in Narnia? You know, Trick's very grandfatherly and that's the beginning of their relationship where he really starts, you know, taking care of her and, you know, under her wing. It's more than just, you know, free beers at the bar. And then, you know, Chris, as you mentioned, that odd scene in, you know, season three, where he's like, well, I'll take care of you if anything happens to Bo. To me, that almost seemed like a little, I don't know, condescending, but he was saying it from a Faye point of view. I'll take care of you. But it sounded like more of, you know, in the, in the Faye kind of way that I'll take care of you as a pet as, a pa- as compared to an actual human well, being. Well, but that's yeah, what like Kenzie obligation. was worried about, though. Yeah. You mean that somebody would claim her, quote-unquote? Well, yeah. something unfortunate would happen to her because she knows that Bo, because Bo has claimed her, so she's in the world. So she had started sort of panicking about what would happen to me if anything happens to Bo. But I think the difference with Bo is that she doesn't claim Kenzie in the traditional face sense. She doesn't think of her as food. She doesn't treat her as property oh, I know, or as but a slave. Everybody else like does. Like Lauren does. Yeah. But that's why I always think it's odd to use that term Bo claims Kenzie but Bo just uses that term just to get along with the Fae that's just the terminology she uses but she never treats her that way best case scenario of some story stuff for season four is that they've pushed the humans down or I should say had a lot of the characters talking down the humans that with a little bit of that twinkle that we got with Kenzie and uh, Bruce near the end of of kind of the old Kenzie's back, and maybe she gets this chance that only a human can do something that's going to really help out the Fae to be putting her in a much higher regard again. You know, she's going to get a chance to do what only a human can do in some way, shape, or form early in season four. And Kenzie's a great candidate for that because even though obviously Kenzie doesn't have any superpowers in a lot of cases it's almost like being human is her super superpower there's been several times on the show where she has been able to help the fae because she was human like i mentioned she helped trick with a lightning bird in season two a couple of times she had to be the one to unbind people from bow when when you know they had the blood exchanges so i feel like that'd be a, gr- a great callback to that fact that kenzie is special in this world because she's original human. skin too she was the only one who could, well, Dyson as Kenzie. Exactly. Exactly. And this is like Lauren has her science. That's her power as a human. And Kenzie has her human powers of she just thinks outside the box. She's not going to go by these fey rules. She's very like Bo in that sense. You know, and she she is the one who gets Dyson's love back at the end of season two. And, you know, the Norn asks her, what are you doing? You can't touch the sacred tree. And she just whips out her chainsaw and goes, you know what? We'll burn down this planet if it means one more cheeseburger. She doesn't care. She'll just do what it takes because humans are unpredictable and they'll think outside the box. And it's kind of paraphrasing what Kenzie has said, you know, a couple of times in the series. And that's her superpower, so to speak. Now, I'm curious, do any of you think, talking about character interactions with her, what she did for Dyson there? I mean, I'm thinking he still owes her big time. 
Oh, yeah. He <laughs> I mean, does. Not that he hasn't, you know, been there for and so forth. But I'm also kind of hoping maybe in a season four situation where maybe they're, they're still very much down on the humans, but there's going to be a case of where he realizes how much she did for him and, and how much she means to all of them that he might have to kind of go against course to be able to show her that he really does believe in her and it gets her that chance too. I mean, that's another one that ran through my head. I would love to see that. If nothing else, I feel like, especially in season three, it felt like Dyson's storylines were really revolved around Bo and it's been like that, I, can, I think, for most of the series. So I'd love to see where what really causes him to maybe not necessarily turn on the Fae, but, you know, maybe challenge the Fae in some sense is that relationship that he, that he has with Kenzie, because that's such a sweet relationship. I love that relationship on the show. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot that can still be done there. Yeah, I think it's alluded to when I think, I don't know if Kenzie reminded Dyson at some point in season three that, you know, she saved his life twice or something like that, and that it's an insinuation that that he still owes her. But going back to maybe Kenzie and sort of her humanness being a superpower, I think that maybe actually brings us back around to kind of where we started talking about Kenzie and her forming relationships with with people, because I feel like that really comes out of her being a human, you know? Is that is that a weird stretch to make? But I, I don't know. I was just thinking about it because I, I feel like that's partially what allows her to to form the relationships that she does with with the with the other characters on the show is because she's human, because she has these abilities that come out of being human in her humanity. Well, it is because she's very much, you know, they've, they've drawn their lines light and dark and, and kind of have to go in certain directions and relationships, but she's able to be that bit of a wild card in there that often shows them uh, individually more often than as a group, how it becomes important about, who it is you're doing it for and not with their alliances. You know, we hear that talked about a lot, certainly very early in the series, you know, and they, that's establishing a universe, you know, the two sides, the light and the dark. And now she's got a chance, as does Lauren too, and like we keep coming back to, maybe the two of them are able to do this somehow together, to show them very much that it's not as much of that division anymore. So her relationships have been built, like we said, Dyson owes her. Bo certainly would do almost anything for her. Um, I'm hoping Hale gets some more prominence now, too, instead of just being, you know, backdoor Ash, as I kind of called him, so he can come back into the storylines, and she has certainly done a lot for him. So, as you said, Stephanie, it's kind of there. We've got the seeds. Are they going to be able to really cultivate that coming forward? And she's formed this relationship with Bruce, who's Dark Fae, so she's she's crossed the lines there a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I forgot <laughs> Bruce is Dark Fae, but he's such a... You know, he turns into such a sweet character unexpectedly at the end and really has, I don't know, he's able to, you know, he's very charming to the viewing audience as a character and it was so little screen time. You're like, oh yeah, he's Dark Fae. But he says now that he'll protect Kenzie, you know, no matter what, you know, with this whole, you know, war against the Fae that the Morgan has declared. So, yeah, there's a lot of Bruce Kenzie fans out there. But for Kenzie and Hale... There was that huge thing that left after three years. Hale finally says to Kenzie, you've never been just a friend. So, yeah, we'd like to see that develop. And, and we know Casey Collins ships it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good thing to maybe uh, to also discuss is Kenzie's relationship with Hale. Do people have strong opinions one way or the other if they'd like to see them become romantically involved in some way? I've seen it more as as the the friend ship 
so much that I I haven't given serious thought to it turning romantic. And and I don't mean that that's bad or good. I I suppose if done well from a story point of view, maybe. But then I'm wondering, well, see, that could, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Because that could really tear down a Dyson and Hale relationship, too. Um, so I don't want it to turn into one of those soap opery things where, you know, there's too much good friend um, romantic involvement that it, uh, you know, tears down a solid group. But that could also lead to, as in good storytelling, you know, you tear them down so eventually they all realize they have to, you know, work together going uh, on some bigger problem. Well, I think they already are kind of torn down at the end of season three, so they have to rebuild all the relationships in some way. But as for... Hale and Kenzie, you know, there's so many hints throughout the series. I know there's some very passionate, what do they call them? What's the shipper name for, for is it Kale? Hale and Kenzie? Kale? Is it I've a vegetable? I've seen Kale, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, yes. so for vegetable Kale fans, but um, I know there's some very passionate ones. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind either way. Uh, as Kevin said, it has to be a good story. I was kind of almost a little surprised when it was explicitly stated by Hale at the end of the third season because he'd been there with so little screen time, and then suddenly it just drops in there. And you're like, oh, yeah, what about that relationship or that possible ship? So now that it's out there, you can't really take it back, so you have to wonder where they're going to put that storyline. I mean, I think the seeds are definitely there throughout the series. I think it can go either way, but... Yeah, as Kevin said, it just hopefully it's just done with good writing and good storytelling and It's one of those things I don't have particularly strong feelings about it one way or the other. Like I I wouldn't dislike it if they became a thing, you know? But I don't necessarily I, I don't desperately want it. Well, I've always really liked their relationship, but I really like them as friends. Right. I think that's my issue is it would be sweet. They're very sweet together, but I don't know that I necessarily need it to turn romantic. Well, it's kind of like the relationship between Dyson and Kenzie. I know some people ship Dyson and Kenzie, and I'm like, eh, it's a little, you know, I'm not really partial to it. And, you know, I mean, they're better as friends. With the revelation at season at the end of season three from Hale, I'm not entirely sure if Kenzie is interested in him in that way. Even though they had this big kiss, I don't know that she wants that from him. Yeah, see, it's the it's the classic friendship that is so special that you're risking it by taking that step. And I think now Kenzie has bigger things to worry about or that she's got on her mind with the whole do I want to become Faye and I have to but she's doing it out of her good intentions of she needs to help her friends but it's still a dangerous path for her to tread so I think she's thinking about that more than she's thinking about Hale. Did you hear that? What? I don't know. It sounds like like whispering kids or giggling elves. Did you bring home elves last night? I'm not judging. I just want to know. Well, let's maybe wrap up here a little bit talking. We've talked a little bit about Ksenia Solo, but maybe we could wrap up by just talking a bit about what we love that Ksenia brings to Kenzie as a character. Because I know we all really appreciate her as, a, as an actress. Well, I think it's one of those things where... The character of Kenzie could be, I mean, she is over the top, but she's over the top in a charming way. And I think it would have been one of those things where it really could have gone wrong. Oh, absolutely. The wrong actress to this role could have turned this into someone who would have turned 
almost 98% of the people off to the show. So she, she's able to, to very flamboyantly deliver those lines, but also very subtly bring across the caring relationship with Bo and the other characters. That's a big, to me, in my mind, it's a very big spectrum. And the actress is able to do that from scene to scene and almost line to line. Usually, you know, you way on one side, way on the other, whatever, you know, but, but she's able to do that as she, as she works, uh, with, with the dialogue that she's got. And that's, that's something I think to me, I don't know about you ladies on rewatches. Now that you've seen a lot of the episodes, the scenes, you start to watch the range that she's able to do. And it really is amazing because so many people just remember the quips, you know, the 10 minute video on YouTube of all the great lines, but there's so much more there, uh, that she brings to it that would be very difficult for another actress to be able to do. Well, I didn't know Ksenia's work before Lost Girl, and I just remember seeing an interview with her where she said she's never been the comic relief. And you could have fooled me because, again, it seems so natural. It just seems like she's just made that up off the top of her head. But that's the skill of Ksenia's performance. And like you said, Kevin, everybody remembers the one-liners, but I, I'm always uh, I'm always drawn to the drama and the angsty scenes, and I remember her for that, because that, to me, is where also a lot of the skill as an actress is. And just those, you know, really uh, intense scenes with Bo, you know, when she is really expressing, they really are expressing their love for each other with that sisterly bond. To me, that's where Ksenia shines, and uh, I just loved seeing that. Uh, on the screen every week. And as you said, the range is incredible. Absolutely. Again, I, I 100% agree. Her range is just absolutely amazing because I feel like she she charms you with the lines. But what really, I think, attaches you to the character is the depth that Ksenia brings in, in the more emotional moments. So definitely just a really, really talented actress. I'm I'm so happy that they cast her in this part. I think we're all happy about that probably just a Kevin hang up. I, I appreciate her so much as a character and just love her as a character. As we all know, there are so many pretty people on the show and it's not even a, a, a sexual or an attraction thing. She just brings so much to this role. I personally don't want to see her in anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't want her see negative to her career in any way, shape or form, whether it's high profile or something else, but She's one of those few people that I feel so attached to who she is as this character that I know she's done some other great roles in movies and such, but I purposely don't seek it out. I've seen Anna Silk in some other like new movies she's done and some other stuff, and that's great. I really love her, too, but I don't know. As you can tell, I've just got this probably pedestal thing going on there where I'm just afraid to, you know, it might be good, but what if it's not? Well, I think definitely this is going to be one of the roles that really defines her career. She might be lucky. She might be somebody like Mary Tyler Moore, who had two really iconic characters on two great shows. But if this is, if this is like her career, like her career making role, and this is what people remember her for, I don't really think you can get much better than Kenzie. It's a great character and she's so fabulous in it. The one thing I always have to give Ksenia for is running in those stilettos on screen <laughs> that, i'm not even a woman and that just looks amazing the way she's I know, able to it looks move amazingly <laughs> painful um when i i think that was like the only thing that stupidly pops into my head when i met her at uh, fan expo this year i'm like you know you go girl for running in those stilettos she's like oh yeah i got it down i'm like that was intelligent <laughs> but you know on my part to say but uh yeah she was really really 
delightful. The stilettos and the corsets, I could not do it, man. That takes fortitude. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Kevin, for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate your being here. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. I I must admit, I was a little nervous coming in. I mean, you know, Melanie's done such a great job with uh, Tam's an episode you folks do. And, you know, I, I was hoping I could measure up. Well, I think I think you did fine. So thanks thanks for being here. We really appreciate your input. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun. You, you folks do a great show. I look forward to it every time you release an episode. So thank you, thank you so much. Aww. Oh, thank you. And you did more than a great job, Kevin. So thank you for coming on today. So thank you again to Kevin for being our guest. You can check out his podcast tuning into sci-fi tv as well as his lost girl podcast the fey files over at tuning into sci-fi tv.com showcase recently announced that before season four of lost girl begins they will be releasing webisodes on sundays featuring kenzie and bruce vex trick and hail the webisodes are supposed to bridge the gap between season three and season season four a bit and let us sort of know what goes on with these characters and they released the first webisode this past sunday it features kenzie and bruce so it's appropriate that we're releasing our kenzie episode this week you can check those out over on showcase's website the videos are currently only available to canada canadian residents but they did say that they were trying to make them available to other countries soon. So let us know your thoughts about Kenzie. You can leave a comment on the show notes for this episode, episode 22, over at drinksatthedoll.com. You can also send us an email at feedback at drinksatthedoll.com, or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks with the Doll. My name is Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.